Welcome to Church Project. Things are going to be a little different today. Uh, We have been talking about what church is, and the study of church is known as ecclesiology, and so we've been looking at the ecclesiology, the makeup of what church is. One of the greatest enemies of church is what the church thinks about itself. As we think about the church going forward in America, one of the greatest enemies of the church is what the church thinks about itself. What the church thinks about itself, who we are, will determine what the church does in the, in the future. And as we look, and some of us look with fear into the future, we can say, even like our wonderful uh, video, 266 times in the Bible it says, do not fear. We don't fear the future, but we look at who we are and we talk about the future with hope and what God has for the future of the church and the future of America and for our lives as we enter into difficult and hard times in our life. We don't enter into fear. We don't partner with fear. Instead, we partner with a glorious message of hope and grace and love that Jesus Christ gives us as a church and as individuals. One of my favorite authors is, is a guy, uh, Paul David Tripp. And he's written 17 uh, books that are very good. One of them is very good if you're, if you're in ministry. It's called Dangerous Calling, and it's written for pastors specifically. And so I had the opportunity this last week to go and listen to him. And he's like a broken record, I'll tell you that. His books all kind of sound the same, and when you get to hear them live, they all, it kind of sounds the same, and he has on repeat this one thing, and this is what he says over and over, you are your biggest counselor. You are your biggest counselor. No one gives you as much advice as you do. No one talks to you as much as you do. You talk to yourself more than anyone else. So church, what do you say about yourself? And what do you think about yourself? And as we look even at the future of the ecclesiology of church and what it is, one of our greatest enemies is what we think about ourselves and what church is. But on a very personal level, isn't that true as well? What we think about who we are and where we find our identity determines how we act, how we think, how we move. If we move in freedom or we move by being completely paralyzed, What we think about ourselves determines how we act in the future. What do you think about these words? Imagination, dreams, creativity. What do you you think about those words? Imagination, dreams, creativity. Uh, Our family has a a really good artist, and, and she paints beautiful paintings, and she's very, very, very good, and I'm very, very not good. Uh, but she would try to, to paint and, and teach us how to paint and all this. And uh, occasionally I'd be like, oh man, I made a mistake. You know, I got outside the line or whatever. And, and Shannon would say this. She would say uh, that there is no such thing as mistakes, only room to embellish. Only rooms to, room to embellish in that moment. And as an artist, and you're drawing and you're creating. You are the artist and you're drawing and you're creating. So don't declare that a mistake. Use it as a room to embellish and to make that aspect of your painting look even more beautiful. And let it shape what the end product is going to look like. 
How many Olympians, I don't know how many of you watched hours and hours of the Olympics most recently, but how many of the Olympians visualized the gold medal around their neck when they were like two or three or one or older? (laughs) How many of the Olympians visualized the gold medal or, or the new world record that they would be the one that would set that imaginations, dreams, creativity, Along the way, though, in their, in their path, I guarantee that they probably had to tweak their training. They had to change their course. They had to make adjustments as life came their way. But the main thing stayed the main thing. And so I bet on everyone that had a medal around their neck, they just didn't wake up the day before and decide, I'm going to go get a medal. But they actually purposed to have that medal. And they dealt with the hard things that came. And they kept pushing towards the main thing. Colossians 1, 23. If you have your Bibles, open it to that. It's on page 677. Continue in your faith. Established and firm. Church, did you hear that? Colossians 1, 27. Continue in your faith established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Church, are we keeping the main thing, the main thing, and are we putting our hope in Jesus Christ and the gospel message and the relationship that he's drawing us into? When you read the Bible... Church, preach to yourself first. When you read the Bible, preach to yourself first and and begin to think and begin to wonder what God is saying to you individually and continue to put your faith in Jesus Christ because He establishes you firm and you will not be moved because you have the hope in the person of Jesus Christ. And so when you read your Bible and when you read it in light of reality called your life, why don't you just juxtapose them, put them right next to each other. And you look at the hard things that are going on in life, but you put it right next to the gospel message and say, God, regardless of what the circumstance looks like, regardless of how I feel like there's no hope in the future, you say that I'm established in you, that I'm firm, and that I have hope. We preach this gospel message to us first and foremost. What a great hope we'll live out, we will live out in Christ as we call down the kingdom of heaven into our life. When we know who we are as a church and when we know who we are as individual, individuals, we can live squarely out of that identity. We can square up and live out of that identity because Satan, as juvenile as it is, will provide much comic relief as we recognize the aliases he is trying to label us as. We'll see it as juvenile attempts to take our core identity and to find our identity in those aliases that Satan is projecting on us. Has he done it to you? Does he try to do it to you? You ever wake up and Satan is trying to project an alias on you saying that you are a mistake? 
or that you're not worth it, or that you'll never amount to anything, or that thing that you did was so bad that no one could ever love you, especially Jesus Christ. You know, all along, it's Satan and his juvenile attempts trying to label you with that alias. He knows just the moments to attack us and how to attack us. So we feel like throwing in the towel and giving up. However, we... We can see this coming from a mile away if and only if we know who we are and we know who Jesus is in our life. Here's a few things the Bible says to me and who I am. I am valuable. Genesis 2.7 I am valuable. God says, I am the creator and you are my creation. I breathe into your nostrils the breath of of life. He says that to you. That's not an alias projected on you. That's a reality and truth of who God says you are. You are valuable. God also says, I am new. Romans 6.11 says, sin is no longer your master, for you died to sin, and you are now alive in me. When you read this, do you preach it first to yourself, or do you think of your neighbor that you want to go preach this message to? As pastors, we do that often. We can open up the Bible and it becomes preparation instead of soul deep excavation. And we can do that as Christians as we want to project having it all together. And we let this gospel message bypass our own hearts and our own minds. Let the gospel message first sink deep into you. As we saw this, this video, I want to point out a couple of things that she said. Because it is so key. This is, this is what she says. She said, the visitor I get sometimes calls ahead to let me know they are coming. And she said, some just come. The ones that haven't called are usually the best ones because I'm not prepared for them. Everything that happens depends on the Lord. What, what would it be like if we lived that out in our lives and that was our mentality? Here's another thing she said. I've learned to recognize the inner voice of the Holy Spirit and give him room to use me. The Holy Spirit likes to take control. Did you hear that? The Holy Spirit likes to take control. When we back up and let the Holy Spirit take control of our lives. So church, what has God whispered to you this week? I mean, in this moment, he can whisper to your heart. But what has God whispered, creator of the universe, what has he whispered to you this week? In the moments of your highest of highs this last week, in the lowest of lows, what has God whispered to you? Or did we have Sports Center on 24 hours that day? Are we positioning ourselves to let the Holy Spirit take over our life and to speak into our life? And are you tuning in your heart, soul, mind, and body to him? Another thing in the video, she says, my home is an extension of Christ's kingdom. It's a place people can come if they are in trouble or in need. Are we a place like this, this kingdom, the embassy of the kingdom of God, where people can come when they're in trouble and need? Can I, can I be honest and vulnerable with you today? Uh, this week, my good intentions slapped me in my face in a colossal way. I've been demonized and hated and spat upon, and Satan is hoping I will take 
personal the aliases that, that he's throwing my way? Did I say some things in a conversation I shouldn't have? Yeah, yeah, probably. Was I out of line a little bit in this conversation? Yeah, yeah, probably. I mess up just like you. And I have the opportunity to believe the lies that the hurt individual is expressing my way and to believe those aliases and and let it shape me from here on out as my true identity. Or I have a great opportunity to be vulnerable and to admit my weaknesses and to put the gospel message next to my messy life and proclaim that is the truth. What we say to ourselves is what we believe about ourselves. And if we're bypassing the gospel message, are we living the gospel message? Is it truly shaping who we are? Our staff is reading a book called The Culture of Honor by Danny Silk, and I would encourage anyone and everyone to get it. And here's some of the things that that we're processing. Are we a safe place? As a staff of Church Project, as Christians, are we a safe place? Remember the depths in which we have been restored from. And so when someone comes at us with deep, deep hurt and deep, deep pain, we don't posture and position ourselves above them as someone that's greater, but we remember the depths at which we have been restored from. And when we remember the depths at which we have been restored from, we can have sympathy and we can have empathy and we can enter into the hardest things with people as a safe place. Not above them, not elevated greater than they are, but one that has received the gospel message and is remembering what God has done in our life and then and only then we can enter into a relationship that is calling heaven into earth that is naming the aliases and telling them to get far away and reminding us who we are in Jesus Christ our job as Christians is to transfer strength to build an inheritance and to give life church you have much hope I have much hope our future is bright I want to share two verses with you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16 through 17 says this. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loves us and by his grace give us in eternal encouragement as good hope, encouragement, your, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Church, my prayer is that you would be encouraged and that you would be strengthened and that we would find a reason in Jesus Christ that He is our hope and that we call on Him to give us life and life to the fullest, as it says in John 10.10, as as we transfer that strength and that identity to the people around us. One other thing she said in in the video, and we're almost done. She said, we, don't, we, we often don't realize that all believers are called to be representatives of the kingdom of heaven. We are all ambassadors. The Lord Jesus didn't do it any other way. He simply entrusted us. Us to be his ambassadors. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. In your heart, revere Christ as Lord. And always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have.
I'm going to read this again because we're going to live this out this morning. So pay close attention to this. Open your Bibles to 1 Peter 3.15. It's on page 703 of the Blue Bibles. And we're going to live this out today. And so this is what it says. It says, but in your hearts, church, followers of Christ, revere Christ as Lord. The one that's shaping you and making you and directing your life. Revere him as Lord. And he gives us a charge, and he says this. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Have you ever sat across the table from someone in deep pain, and they just say, there's something different about you? Why do you smile? There's something different about your life. Like, what sets you apart? Why do you have hope? Why are you choosing to see this situation in a positive manner instead of a negative manner? What is different? Have you ever had someone ask that of you? And what would you say in that moment? What is the reason you have hope in this life? That's the question. What reasons can you give for the hope that you find?